Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with creative entrepreneur and graphic recorder Ashton Roddenheiser. She is constantly passionate about spreading the concept that drawing can be used as a thinking tool. Anyone, whether they are students or boardroom executives, can benefit from the visual note-taking. Even if you feel like you can't draw, it's possible to learn basic drawing elements to help you benefit from drawing your notes. For the past seven years, she has followed her passion for helping people communicate their ideas and combine that with creativity by finding Minds Eye Creative Consulting. Enjoy this interview. Well, hey, thank you for taking a minute out to be on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for asking. You bet. So before we get into your life and your work and what, what has made you who you are, you know, the last three years with COVID has been something that's done a turn on everybody in, in its own specific way. So I'm curious over this last three years, how you survived the COVID time period and how it's changed the way that you live your life and conduct business now. Yeah, I, I did pivot a lot of my work um, online, which worked out very well for me, actually. Um, it was actually a blessing in disguise, and I was traveling so much extensively for the work that I do. And I, right before COVID, was trying to figure out ways to be able to work from home more, you know, like having three small kids and traveling so much just like wasn't working well. And, um, but yeah, I was like really fearful of what that would look like for me because I'm so used to being in person and, um, and then COVID happened. So <laughs> it was one of those you get what you wish for kind of situations. And, uh, yeah, so I was able to, sort of move most of my work online. Of course, it looked a lot different um, in many aspects, but yeah, I I honestly can't complain. Um, and I feel like I'm bad saying that sometimes because, you know, so many people struggled so much during COVID times and I definitely honor that. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, it definitely made me realize lots of different ways about how I wanted to configure my life moving forward and being home and being forced to be home um, was actually really good for me and my family um, and able to work and scale what I do um, actually a lot easier than, than being in person and having to travel around and spending so much time traveling. I didn't realize the cognitive load and the stress that that caused until I didn't have to do it anymore. And it was really nice actually. So um, I think some people think that travel is, you know, very exciting, and, and in one aspect, it definitely is. But um, it it has a certain element of stress, you know, having to be at certain places at certain times and time zones, and sleeping in weird places and all of that. It's a uh, yeah, I didn't have to do that obviously with COVID time. So um, yeah, I feel like I have a little bit more flexibility moving forward with with my work now and being able to choose things. Um, whereas before I was more for forced into doing it because if I said no to a job, that meant, meant that might have meant I didn't make any money that week or month or whatever, right? So. so let's get to the essence of exactly what you do. So if I was to put you in front of a bunch of grade school kids at a career day and yeah. let's say third graders and one of the kids looks up at you and asks you, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? Uh, that's a great question to a child. I would say that I'm a professional doodler. 
So if you like to doodle in your notebook when you're in class, you can make a job out of that. So that's what I would probably tell them. So how would you explain to me what you do for a living? Uh, Yeah, so I would say I'm a live illustrator um, that works in situations where there's a lot of complicated conversation going on and trying to get through some of the complexities of what people are talking about and creating a visual representation of those complexities. And because most people think in pictures and, you know, they would consider themselves a visual learner, and we all know, like, the quote, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, it resonates with most people in the room, even if they can't articulate why. So I'm there to elevate the voices and the ideas that come out of sessions and meetings and conferences so that people can actually remember what the heck happened, what everybody actually said, what everybody agreed to, and to actually do that work that, you know, you had gathered to to talk about. So when you were in grade school, what was your dream? What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a mermaid. Does that work? <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, I actually really struggled. Like I, I was, you know, very smart through school. I didn't have to study really hard, but still got really good grades. Like I probably could have went and did anything, and I definitely felt the pressure to go off and take a lot of post-secondary education. Um, but to be completely frank with you, in high school, I didn't have any career aspirations. I I knew I wanted to be a mother at some point. So I did decide to do some college, which was around early childhood education, uh, because I figured it was a transferable skill. I could work with kids until I had my own, because I didn't really have, uh, there was no job or career that I thought I wanted to do. The only thing that did interest me, which I actually did start down the education path, I took all the prerequisites to be a sign language interpreter. And, um, you know, which is really funny that that was a, something that I had considered because it's actually extremely similar in the aspect of the work that I do now uh, because I could call myself a visual interpreter in one regard, right? So um, I think I've always been really fascinating with, like, communication, um, and I've always done that with children. Um, but, yeah, and how I kind of ended up here was working at a family center and learned about facilitation work and how, which was great. I thought facilitation was awesome, and I did that for a number of years because I love that, you know, you can help people come to their own conclusions through their own information, right? You don't have to be, like, the expert in the room as a facilitator, and that's honestly what led me to this work because I didn't know that this work existed until I did facilitation. And then someone asked me one time if I had ever heard of graphic facilitation. And I was like, what's that? And after doing some digging and doing a little bit of classes, I was like, this is it. And that was 10 years ago. So Very cool. So who's yeah. been one of your favorite artists or designers who's always inspired you? Oh, that is, I love this question. So um, where I live here in Nova Scotia, Canada, there is a famous um, artist, and her name is Maud Lewis. And she actually grew up about a two-hour drive away from me. Um, and she actually became a very famous um, folk artist 
uh, in Canada, and she was um, she lived in a very very small home, which the house actually exists. Uh, they moved the house into the art gallery here in the city, and a very very tiny home, like 100 square feet or something like that. And she had juvenile arthritis, um, so she was quite crippled. She had a hard time walking, um, and her hands were. Um, like she really struggled with her hands and she, her husband was a boat builder and they like lived very poorly and he would bring home pieces of wood and boat paint and she created these folk art pieces with just like materials that she like got from him. And when I was in college, I actually had to do like a project on her and about how that you know, her work, like, basically had to create, like, an activity of, like, what kids could do with, like, Maude Lewis-inspired um, work. And um, I have, I had always been very creative and tried lots of different mediums, but I kind of had, had fallen by the wayside because I had a teacher one time telling me I did something wrong. And then I think a lot of people have this experience where, you know, they, they think that they can't be creative anymore because someone said that they did something wrong or they were, you know, not encouraged. And anyway, so I did have an experience like that, and I felt like I, it wasn't really for me. And then when she, when I learned about her, and I was like, you know, she didn't have any formal education. She just did it from her heart, and, like, all her paintings were so joyous. And, and yeah, so she was, like, my biggest inspiration, to be honest with you, when I was in college, and I, like, I started painting again, and I started doing lots of um, different uh, art mediums uh, and trying out many different things. Uh, surprisingly, I didn't actually draw a whole lot, which is what I do now, <laughs> but uh, I, it, it did lend itself very nicely into me starting to pick up the paintbrush again, and, and I don't think I would have been here today if I wouldn't have had that experience of learning about her and her journey and, and being inspired by her work. That's great. I bet she would love to have heard that story about, you know, because it sounds like she was just doing it because it's something that she just felt like was coming out of her and it's turned into an inspiration. That's a great story. Um, So, uh, and and I love that recycled art piece. I'm actually a visual artist myself and I do a lot of recycled art pieces and I think it's great when when you can do things like that. Um, So, all of us have in our journey, we have these beginnings where things inspire us and get into a seed, so to speak. What were the seeds of creativity for you to make you want to pursue this life and become who you are now? Um, wow, yeah, I think I think my creativity was always encouraged, even though I did fall off of it for a while. Um, my, I, I didn't really come from a very creative family necessarily, and but, like, we weren't a sports family either. There was really not, like, there wasn't anything that, like, my family was really, like, into, if that makes sense. Um, But I was highly encouraged to, um, like, I'm musical. I play, like, many different instruments, and, like, that was encouraged. So I think the creative side um, of being able to, like, learn how to read music and then being able to use that in learning different instruments, like, I'm currently learning how to play the bagpipes right now (laughs) just for something to do, and... um, yeah, I think, you know, those seeds were, like, small planted through my childhood of of just trying different things and just being in the process of it. Um, and, 
Yeah, I think I, I almost like felt like I was like, I was a bit of like the black sheep a little bit in my family, like the odd creative one, but it was still supported in many ways. So, um, yeah, I think mostly just sort of small things like that throughout, throughout my life. And, and I've, you know, had people when I've told them like crazy ideas that I've had, like I started an art festival in my town and, uh, when was that? 20, the 12, 2012, like I started an art at night festival in my town and, and someone that I respected, I told him the crazy idea I had and he was like, go for it. Right. So I think having some of those people that can listen to your wild and crazy ideas and tell you to go for it, um, is, was pretty important in my life too. So, you know, like, I don't think I'd be where I am today without some of that as well. A feeling like, one, I could create a business, one, I could create this odd creative business, you know, so having some of those supports. I've been, and trying not to, like, listen to anybody who tells me otherwise, basically. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta march to your own beat, for sure. So, in your life, who's been a role model or a consistent hero for you? Oh my gosh. Um, that is a great question. I think throughout my, I don't know, maybe this feels like a little cliche to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think because I started my business, um, after my first child was born, I think they have, my kids have been like an inspiration for me. Um, and for many different ways, like they're only four, seven, and nine right now, but, was shortly after my, um, well, it was around, my first child was only six months old when I started getting into this work. And, um, you know, being, being able to kind of showcase to them what I can do and that I can do my own thing. And, and, you know, they inspire me with their like playfulness and their joy, which I think because there's like so much element of playfulness and joy in what I am creating for clients and for people, like I have to stay in that space even when like I'm in stressful situations or like the meeting I'm entering in is like really tense. Like they ground me in that sense of play, if that makes sense. So, you know, like I can like I like drawing with them and and like my four-year-old did this thing with me just a couple weeks ago where she would draw something and I would follow her right and like she created some really interesting drawings for me to copy off of her and I was like I'm going to use this in my work like (laughs) just that like no worrying about you know oh did I create something quote-unquote good or um, you know, letting go of some of that perfectionism and all of that, they really, like, inspire that, too. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who would it be? Who would you love to meet and talk to? Oh, my goodness. These are such great questions. Um, who would I want to meet? I think I would want to meet Ani DeFranco because she's always been my favorite. I think she's such a cool lady. She also marches to the beat of her own drum. She's like a self-starter. She's so unique. She's so poetic. Um, I've just been a fan of hers for like, I don't know, 20 years. (laughs) So I think I would want to meet her. I know she's not like a visual artist, but she's a cool lady. I honestly think she and I would have a good time. You know, 
that's my wife's favorite musician, and she actually came really? to Kansas City, yeah. and I taught her live. Yeah, we, yeah. we taught her before the pandemic started. Um, I remember nice. it was in February. It was really cold. Yeah, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty good show. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. So, um, you know, all of us have ways, th- th- things that we want to do with our lives, motivations to get out of bed and get through the day and to accomplish what we want. What, what's that motivator for you? What gets you going? What makes you be who you are? Um, I would say for, for the work, like what motivates me to get out of bed and like, you know, show up for work every day is, um, is trying to educate people that they can use drawing as a thinking tool. I think we look at art, and this was sort of my idea when I created the art festival too, is like we have this notion of art and it's so untouchable. And I'm always like looking for creative ways like in work and otherwise to educate people and show people and allow them to have experiences for themselves that they can experience creativity for the sake of creativity and it can help them just be like experience something new and interesting and allow them to think differently or think something about the world. Whereas like we've created, I feel like a space where art is something to be seen, not to be experienced. And, you know, unless you consider yourself creative, maybe you're, you understand some of that philosophy, but I think for like the average everyday uh, everyday person, we like they just go, oh, I'm not creative. Or when I tell people what I do, they're like, oh, I can't even draw a straight line. Or oh, I can't even draw a stick person. And I'm like, well, stick person is still pretty good. Like, I know I've graduated from a stick person with my work, but stick people are still great to help communicate an idea. Like, you can still draw something even if you feel like your drawings aren't quote-unquote good. Like, I think it's this notion of art and drawing and creativity. It has to, like, there's so much focus on the product and not the process of it. So I think that's what sort of drives me in my work and in my life of trying to allow people to have these, like, positive experiences and just the process of being creative. And if I can, you know, allow someone to feel like, that they're not creative and then they have experience with something that I can offer um, or an experience I can allow them, like, yeah, something that I can help them through, then they think, oh, maybe I am a little creative. Like, I feel like I've won the day, you know, Um, because everyone's creative in their own way. And I feel like we just don't, especially as adults, you know, I think that's why I take so much inspiration from my children because they don't have that, like, thinking that they're not creative. Like if you ask most kids, you know, under the age of 10, if they're an artist, they just say yes, right? So like how do we, can how can we get back to embracing creativity, believing that we have it because we all do? Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite poets, Charles Bukowski, said that we're born geniuses and buried idiots. It's like the amount of walls <laughs> that we put up around ourselves is astonishing. And especially as people get older, they just, it's easier to say no than it is yes. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, and, and and with that being said, and I don't know if you ever heard this story, but the way that John Lennon fell in love with Yoko Ono, Yoko had a uh, art show, I think it was in London, 
and it was just a ladder that went up to a painting that was all yellow, and in the middle of it, it said, yes, really small, but you had to take a magnifying glass hanging down from a piece of string and put it up there, and it magnified mm. it, and that was it. That was the, that was the moment. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... If you if, let's say you have a dream tonight, you run into a younger version of yourself and like in your twenties and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained, the life you've led so far, what would you tell your young version? I think I would tell my younger virgin version that I um oh my gosh, I think I would tell them that it's possible like what you're dreaming right now. And it's like a little seed of an idea and you don't think you can do it. Like it is possible and you'll be surprised what you see on the other side. You just have to get through it. And I probably warned them about all the rejection that they're going to face. And that is totally fine. (laughs) But it's okay that you're going to get like a million no's and like a million no's isn't going to crush you. You'll actually be totally fine hearing a million no's. So I think I think I would warn them. I think I would warn the younger version of myself about that. And your and your what what's what's the one art gallery or what's the one artist that you've seen that blew you away? Um, hmm. Well, beside Mom Lewis, she's always my number one. I've been really into like indigenous art lately. Um. And I actually, it was just my birthday recently, and I went to the art gallery for my birthday, and I really, like, took in a lot of the indigenous artists in in there. And um, there's an artist here, I think it's Alan Sillaboy. There's a couple Sillaboys around here um, who are artists, and that their work really inspires me. Um, I've always felt, like, really connected to, like, the indigenous folks that live here called the Mi'kmaq people, and I've always really admired um, the, like, bright colors, because, like, I'm attracted in my work with bright colors. Like, I use a lot of bright colors in my work, and, like, they use a lot of bright colors and, like, you know, lots of thick black lines, which I like, too, and, um, yeah, they're just so connected to the world around them and and the earth and how these elements work together. So, yeah, I would say that's sort of like what I've been really appreciating a lot lately is uh, the work of, of many Mi'kmaq artists around where I am. Yeah. Of all of the things that you've done in your life so far, what are you the proudest of? What am I the proudest of? I think I'm the proudest of my self-awareness. You know, recently I was in a bookstore looking at the whatever quote unquote self help section and one of the workers came by and asked if I need help and I said, Is it a good thing or a bad thing that I've read most of these books? So I think I'm proud of my growth. Um I I definitely wouldn't have I wouldn't be where I am today without taking time to read books and listen to podcasts and do that like deeper self work. Um, you know, going to therapy, going to group therapy, like looking at things, 
looking, you know, it's not easy. I think that's why a lot of people don't do it. It's not easy to look at these things about yourself and and dissect things. And I think I'm most proud around that work that I've done to to grow and develop as a human because I think it allows me to show up for myself, you know, to be the best version of myself that I can be. Uh, allows me to be, I think, a, a positive role model for my family. And I think it allows me to show up, you know, as authentic as I can with, like, the best spirit that I can um, in the work that I do. So everyone out there has a perception of you, you know, um, your family, your friends, clients, colleagues, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I would say I am like a manifestation of creativity. I know we were just talking about that, but I think that's it. Like I would say if if someone asked me like what's my biggest like or if I just had like one value, I think it would be around creativity. Um because I think it just like manifests in every aspect of my life. Like you know, we are creative people and like I embrace everything in my life where I try to, unless I'm having a bad day, maybe, um, from a, late, a lens of curiosity through creativity. And, um, you know, that's where, like, I was just telling one of my kids the other day, I'm like, people created all this stuff. Like, we were in the city. I was like, everyone created. Like, people, like, aren't people creative? Like, aren't people interesting? Because, like, they created these things, like, that iPad you're using and these pens we're using and all this stuff. Like, all, like, everything in our world is from someone having a creative idea and and actually sharing that into the world. So um, I think it's just, for me, it's like I'm like a force of creativity and like honoring that and expressing that um, even when you're not feeling, like even when you've got like imposter syndrome creeping in when you're trying to do something or whatever, um, just embodying that sort of creative spirit. So what's been one of the best responses you've ever gotten from your work of fan letters, so to speak? I do I do feel like I've, throughout the years, have weeded through people that I work with. So most of my people are pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie, um, the people that I do work with. I would say, well, I'll say this. Maybe it's just like my brag story, but... Um, couple years ago, before the pandemic, I was in Copenhagen, and I was on stage with um, Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple. That was pretty terrifying, um, you know, so getting, like, a nod from him was pretty cool. Like, he didn't say anything, but he was like, oh, cool, you know. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I don't like necessarily putting people on a pedestal, but it was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. It was absolutely terrifying, but it was pretty cool. Um, and I did the year before that. I had I had drawn a conversation with uh, Sir Tim Berners Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web. Um, you know, and he came over and talked to me while I was on the stage with him. So like that was pretty crazy. Um, so I've had some situations like that. But you know, those aside, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I was working at a, a fish plant, actually, of all places, and we were working with all of the employees in small groups trying to ask them one question, which was, how does this company show you that they care? And I had an older gentleman. He was definitely well into his 70s. Like, he should have been retired for sure. And he 
um, he came up at the end and he said, I've been working here for four year, or 40 years. He's like, no one has ever asked me how I felt before. And, you know, even though that was like, wow, like maybe seven years ago now or so, it, it still sticks to me today, the power that this type of work has and being able to show up and support people and allow people to have a voice. Those are the stories that tend to stick with me the most of of that those types of situations where people feel like maybe they haven't had a voice. And with the power of my marker, if I'm allow and if I'm able to help them have a voice, then that's just such an honor of a place to be. So yeah, it's cool to be on stage with Steve Wozniak and all of that. But those are like the small moments that really stick with me. Um, that, you know, keep me going and, and knowing how powerful this type of um, creative medium can help people feel seen and feel heard. That's wonderful, Ashton. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for your stories. And before we get out of the proverbial digital door, let everybody know where they can find you on the web. Sure. I think the most place I hang out is Twitter, to be honest with you. And that's Minds I C C F. And my website is mindseyecreative.ca. Um, I do have a book coming out in spring of 23. You can keep an eye out called The Beginner's Guide to Sketch Noting. So if you want to learn how to draw your own uh, notes and meetings, uh, you can keep an eye out for that. And if you, in the meantime, uh, I did a, have a, like a little 15 minute workshop that people can can grab a little video of me helping you walk through drawing your very first sketch note and people can uh, see that on my website or they can go to sketchnote101.com and uh, and get the information for that. Wonderful. Ashton, this has been great. Thank you for opening up. Best of luck with everything. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for inviting me to, to chat with you today and for asking such interesting questions. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Want to hear more interviews? Visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.